Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au. Brilliant. Uh, thanks, Dot. Uh, sorry, guys, we do have to give an apology there. You probably just had a bit of an outage on our uh, uh, live stream. We just fixed up a couple of technical issues back there. But I want to say thank you for Dot. That was a marathon effort of Dot then to be able to read through that passage of Scripture for us. Uh, but that sets the scene or begins to set the scene for us here in Genesis. And that's where we've been for the last, well, last week we started Genesis. And uh, we're going to do the second half of this book of Genesis now for the next uh, few weeks until we get towards about, I think, end of November is when we will finish that. And to set the scene for us today, I'm just going to switch this on, help us understand where we're going. We're going to go to, into uh, Genesis chapter 27 and 28 today. Uh, but firstly this. How often have you witnessed families start off in life in harmony and in unity and then dive down into dysfunctional breakdown? Sometimes it's the death of parents and the will is being executed. And then out comes the poison and the venom. Uh, words and actions of bitterness that are actually cutting people in two, just destroying each other. A family that once was functional has now disintegrated into dysfunction uh, there's two siblings forming an alliance on this side and they're directed and opposed to that sibling who's over there battle lines as it were are drawn it's bitter it's angry it's dysfunctional god can work amongst all of that dysfunction to achieve his purposes and his plans and we'll see that today as we sort of step through these chapters here of chapters 27 and 20, uh, 28 as we look at Isaac's family go through a whole range of dysfunction but God carries out his plans. Now if you've got your Bibles please come with me now to Genesis 28 and I'm going to read from all of the chapter 28 verses 1 through to 22. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram to the house of Bethuel, your, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Naboth. Jacob left Bathsheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. 
And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the west and the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you've given me, I will give a full tenth to you. Father, thank you that we can come together and open up your living eternal word. We ask and pray now that Holy Spirit, you would come to us with the story here of Isaac and Rebecca and Esau and Jacob. Please open up to us now what you're doing through this and revealing to us of God and his salvation purposes. We ask now, Holy Spirit, just clear any distractions out of our minds, outside of our windows, whatever's in the room. Just help us to think here about this story. We pray, speak to us, Lord, and grow our hearts in Christ. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that was another long Bible reading, but really important for us to sort of pick up what's happening here in this passage. Uh, a long story here with Jacob and, uh, sorry, with uh, Isaac and Rebecca and Esau and Jacob. What we're getting here is a bird's eye view of a family who are highly dysfunctional. As we go through 27 and 28, we see the story there of Isaac, Isaac and Rebecca uh, with their boys Esau and Jacob. And really, if you follow that along closely, it's an imploding family. It's actually uh, crushing in on itself. Uh, this is Genesis. This is where God is showing us the beginnings of his salvation plan to rescue us from dysfunctional families as the result of sinfulness in our own lives. Uh, there's a family line here that God's working with that he's put into place that he'll bring through the Savior, ultimately the Messiah, who will reconcile dysfunctional, sinful people back before a holy and loving God. It started with Abraham. It continued with Isaac, as we saw him last week. And we'll see it today as it begin to uh, pass down to Jacob as well. But again, we'll see God here working through a dysfunctional family to bring about his rich and generous blessing upon the earth that he has planned to do. Uh, so here's our big idea. Uh, despite our dysfunctional indifference to God and asking and taking things in our own hands, God remains unchanging and will carry out his blessing upon the peoples of the earth. That's our big idea. We're going to go through that today. Uh, firstly, the story, though, uh, the Bible is roughly 60% narrative or stories. Uh, there's a lot of stories in the Bible, and God uses stories, the lives of people, the lives of families, to communicate to himself 
his glory, his salvation plans, what he's doing in this world, his world. So it's really important for us to actually get into these stories and see what God is telling us. Here's the story of Genesis 27, 28. Isaac, the son of Abraham, has married Rebekah. She has trouble conceiving and remains barren for a long time. And actually, if you go through many of the stories of the Bible, you'll see there are many barren women in the Bible. Isaac prays for her and the Lord answers their prayers and she falls pregnant with twins. Uh, Rebecca's pregnancy is very, very difficult. She feels a real struggling within her of these twins. Uh, this is like a definite sign of things to come. It's like a, a severe struggling happening within her womb. Uh, so she asks God, what is this struggling about? What does this struggling mean that's happening within me with these twins? And we see God's answer there in Genesis 25, 23, where he says this. So look at that with me. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Really important for us to hear what just happened there when God said that to Rebecca. The older shall serve the younger is completely opposite to culture of what was taking place at that time. The normal birthright privileges would always go to the firstborn male in a family in that culture, the firstborn. But Rebecca's just been told by God, the older will serve the younger. In other words, the younger is the one who's going to be blessed here. Twins are born. The firstborn is Esau. He comes out like an orangutan, red and hairy, the Bible tells us. We didn't actually say orangutan in the Bible, but he says red and hairy. The second born is Jacob. He comes out smooth, but he's also hanging on to Esau's heel as he comes out. That's another sign of things to come here. And we get a bit of a snapshot as we see these boys grow up. And we see this snapshot in Genesis 25, 27, where it says this. Have a look at that with me. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in the tents. What's Esau? He's an outdoors type of man, hunting, shooting, fishing. That's what he likes to do. If he were Aussie, we'd say this. He drives Holden cars, he drinks beer, he eats meat pies, and he shoots wild pigs. That's a description of Esau. He's your real outdoorsy sort of guy. Jacob? Well, he's not like that. He's the complete opposite. He's the quiet type, living around the tents, living around the home. Perhaps the sort of guy who sits around thinking about things and planning out his future, seeing where life will go for him. Another snapshot we see of this dysfunctional family, uh, we begin to see in verse 28, where it tells us this, uh, Genesis 25, 28. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. What's happening? Mum and dad are playing favourites. He's got his favourite and she's got her favourite. Well, he said his favourite then, her favourite. Isaac loved Esau. And I think as we read there, he also loved his food. Sometimes we get a picture of a big, fat sort of Isaac because he loved his food there. I don't know. But anyway, he loved Esau. Rebecca loved Jacob. And this will be really helpful for us as the story continues to unfold. Now, we fast forward a little bit here to Genesis 25. We haven't got that for you in the scriptures today. But if you, if you read through this, uh, go back to this later on, you'll see this. Esau's been hunting out all day and he hasn't caught anything. So he wasn't able to find anything that day. 
He comes home famished. He's been walking those plains and hills looking for something and found nothing. He is starving. He sees Jacob cooking something and he says, Give me some food. I'm starving. Jacob, who's been home because he hangs around the tent, is planning out the future. He says, Sure, you give me your birthright and I'll give you some of my stew. Esau replies, Why not? I'm dying of starvation. What is the good of my birthright now? I'm going to die without this food. And the Bible tells us in that passage there that Esau had no regard for the birthright. No regard for the importance, as it were, to being firstborn in the family. Another little insight into Esau is this. Against his mother and father's wishes, he married the local pagan women. We're told in Genesis 26:35 that this made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. He didn't follow their wishes. He went out there and just did what he liked. Esau had no respect for his parents. Life was all about him and living for the now and not thinking about the big picture. Let me just give you a little hint here when reading the Bible, particularly when it comes to narratives. It's best to read them right through. If, if you're reading the Bible and you just do one chapter today and another chapter tomorrow and another chapter the next day, that's okay. But when you get to a narrative like this, where it's sort of over 25, 26, 27, 28, you've really got to read that all together in one sitting. Because sometimes if you read something two or three days later, you forget what you've read two or three days earlier. So if you can, if you can read these narratives, it's really helpful to read them in one sitting. Okay. With that happening now in chapter 25 uh, and 26, we actually set the scene for Genesis 27. We fast forward now many years and Isaac now is close to dying. But before he dies, he wants to pass on the birthright blessing to his son. Question, who should get this blessing? According to God, it's Jacob, because that's what God told Rebekah. The older will serve the younger. And let's be sure about this also, that Rebecca would have told Isaac all about this. Okay, so what happens here? What does Isaac do? He calls Esau to bless him. Esau, go out and hunt down an animal and make me a meal so that I can bless you with this birthright blessing. Wrong one, Isaac. Wrong one. God, Jacob is God's chosen one, not Esau. In the meantime, though, Rebecca's listening in on this conversation. And now she goes to her favourite son, Jacob, to let him know what's going on. And what do they do? Rebecca and Jacob hatch a plan now to deceive blind old Isaac. Rebecca cooks up a goat and wraps the skins around Jacob's smooth arms so he feels like hairy Esau. Jacob takes in this meal and Isaac asks, because he's blind, is it you, Esau? And Jacob answers, yes, I'm Esau. But you sound like Jacob, Isaac says. But as I feel your arms, you feel like Esau. Swear to me, is it really you, Esau? And Jacob answers, yes, I'm Esau. Isaac then goes on and gives the birthright blessing to Jacob and he quickly leaves. For very good reason we're about to find out. Because he's no sooner gone and in comes Esau to Isaac with some freshly cooked meat. This time he's actually found something and killed it and cooked it. And he brings it in to receive the birthright blessing. But the deception has been uncovered now. 
Isaac realizes what he's done. And it tells us there in verse 33, he trembled violently. He trembled violently. He realizes what he's done. Isaac should have known right from the start that the blessing was to go to Jacob, but he tried to short-circuit that and give it to his favorite in Esau. He's trembling violently. Esau cries out in bitter disappointment, Have you not got another blessing for me? No, my son. Jacob is the blessed one, and you'll serve him. Esau leaves. He is breathing out hatred and murder. He plots to kill Jacob as soon as his father is dead. He's going to kill Jacob immediately. Rebecca hears of this plan and she tells her favourite Jacob, keep your head down, son, keep your head down. Finally, Isaac and Rebecca decide that Jacob should leave and get a wife from within the family lines, not the local pagan women of the Canaan land. So they send him off to Laban, Rebecca's brother, to get a wife from there, which is all part of Rebecca's plan here to protect Jacob at this time. Now, if we were to follow this on just through a couple of more chapters, uh, we'll see that Jacob never actually saw his mother again after this episode. Jacob spends the next 20 years with Uncle Laban, as it were, and never, ever sees his mother again. What a story. What, what, what a dysfunctional family. What a mess. What a disaster. You might say, is this really in the Bible? I thought in the Bible, everybody just lived happily ever after. I thought the Bible was like really squeaky clean stuff. Not disasters like this. We've got parents here that are playing favourites with their kids. Uh, we've got sons who have no regard or respect for their parents. We have intense sibling rivalry. They want to kill each other. Uh, we've got a family that's now divided and broken up for good. Jacob never sees his mother again. And we've got a family here that has left God right out of the picture. God is not, as it were, featuring in this story thus far at all. What's going on here? You see, this is like the families we see living around us today in 2020. Actually, every family's got a level of dysfunction within it. Every family without exception. Even though today's Father's Day, every family has a level of dysfunction. I can assure you there'll be some types of dramas happening at various levels. Every family. Now, maybe you're with us for the first time at an exchange. You've clicked onto the live stream and you're saying, I'm identifying with that. It feels like you're talking about my family when you talk about that family. You may have looked into a church and you thought, I thought everybody in the church was all nice people and good people and their families were so well-ordered and their families had no dramas and no difficulties. Haven't they got all life together? No, that's not what a church is about. That's not what a body of Christ is about. It's people realizing they are dysfunctional. They've sinned before a holy God and they come to be, as it were, receive forgiveness and be transformed and renewed into the image of Christ. You see, the Bible is real. The Bible is raw. It shows us where we really are at in life. Dysfunctional people. So the question we ask ourselves then is this. 
God, what are you doing here? All this drama is unfolding and God, you just appear like absent. We can't see you in these chapters. What about your plans and purposes, God? What's happening with those? Good questions to ask. God is never absent from any situation at all. God is never absent whatsoever in anything that's happening in this world. God is involved in everything in this world. His hand is working through every situation. He sovereignly ordains all things to take place. He watches over the world he's created. And he's working in everything to achieve his plans. So we move now into Genesis 28. It appears like Isaac has come to his senses. He's actually back on track. He's regained himself here. And he actually sends Jacob off now with a very genuine, heartfelt blessing. Read with me in verses 3 and 4 of Genesis 28. Isaac says, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Jacob heads off. It's a thousand kilometre, probably a month-long journey to get to Uncle Laban. He sets up camp for the night. He's just had this wonderful send-off from his father. He sets up on camp for the night, maybe the first night. He sets up camp and he slips into this really, really deep dream. In this dream, Jacob sees this ladder, as it were, before him. And it's like a gateway between the earth and heaven. And there's angels that were going up and coming down, just continually going up and down as it were, carrying out God's business here upon the earth. The Lord Almighty, as it were, stands beside this ladder, overseeing everything, overseeing all the affairs that are taking place in this dream. And as the Lord stands beside this ladder in Jacob's dream, he says this to Jacob in verses 13 and 15 of Genesis 28. And behold, the Lord stood above it, that is the ladder, and said... I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Now, when you read that passage in the context of what's taken place through 25 and 26 and 27 of Genesis and now coming into 28, that's got to stir your heart. That has got to move your heart to see where God, as it were, comes back into the situation to uh, reaffirm himself, to reestablish himself. And all these people have gone off in these crazy, crazy ways. Because you might think, like I would think when you're reading through that, I thought this family was a basket case. How can you do anything with a broken, dysfunctional family like that? Sinful so much before the Lord. Jacob's on the run and the family's in a mess. But look at God. He never left that family. He's working through all of that dysfunction to bring about his purposes. And if we look closely there, what God's told Jacob, it's the same thing he's already told Abraham and he's already told Isaac. It's a reaffirming of the covenant that he made with Abraham. 
and Isaac and now Jacob. It's confirmation that God has chosen Jacob to be the one to bring this nation through with the Messiah. You see, God is unchanging. God is unchanging. Despite all of the craziness that we get up to and the crazy choices that we get up to in life, God is unchanging. He brings about his plans. Mysteriously, he works through and with all of our sinful choices to carry out his plans. God is on track. His promised blessing to the nations is coming. God's plan has always been to use Jacob to bring about this nation where Jesus will ultimately come from. Nothing's happened with God. His plans are right on track. So you might say, well, that's a great story. So what? What does that mean for me today as I think about this perhaps four or 5,000 years after these events have taken place? Take heart. God works in dysfunctional families. God specialises in taking our disorder and creating order out of that. Today's Father's Day. I think there's a great lesson for us here as fathers. Really, Isaac here is a warning to us as fathers. You see, we've got to stay the course when it comes to leading our families in a godly way. What did Isaac do? Well, he didn't listen to God's word given to Rebekah, did he? He knew, he knew that God had chosen Jacob for the covenant blessing and not Esau. But what did Isaac do? He went ahead on his own path to choose Esau. What should have Isaac done? He should have stayed the course. He should have trusted in God and gave the blessing and give the blessing to Jacob in a careful and ordered way. Even though it flies in the face of culture, he should have stayed with God's word to say that the blessing goes to Jacob. If he did that in an ordered way and explained to Esau, hey, this is what God's done, just maybe, just maybe they could have avoided all that family breakdown by just following God's word. You see, fathers, God's word is a priceless gift for us. It's the truth. It's the truth that dictates our life and leads us into the life of fulfillment and joy in him. If we neglect God's word, we do this a great damage to our families. We really, really do. If we're following God's word, trusting in him, we actually put ourselves in the strongest possible way to lead our families forward in life. Maybe an example could be this. We're all sitting down and watching some TV as a family and on comes some sort of uh, immoral sexual innuendo it's not explicit but we all know what it's saying a little voice just says to you as the father oh it's not too bad you don't want to look like a cranky old man in front of your family just just let it go it's not too bad but another voice says this no it's not right it's not right. This isn't healthy for me. This isn't healthy for my family. In an already over-sexualized world, uh, this is not right. I've got to change the channel. Turn it off. We've got these two voices wrestling in our head. And we know what God's word tells us. It tells us in Philippians 4 to let our minds dwell on things that are pure and wholesome. Fathers, take courage. 
Stay true to God's word. Lead your family in a powerful way, in a godly way. We also see this and learn this from that, uh, for the story we've heard. The end never justifies the means. The end never justifies the means. Rebecca knew Jacob was the chosen one. She knew that. God had told her that. She told that to Isaac. But that in no way justifies lying, deception and scheming, which is outright sin to achieve, as it were, a good end. Never justifies the means. It, it, it may be that, hey, you could be trying to carry out some dodgy business practice to gain some more money for yourself and then I can put that money into God's kingdom. Sounds like a good end, but the means aren't right. You know, maybe I can sell some known faulty product to some unsuspecting person. It's all right, God, I'll put some more money into the church. No. The end never justifies the means when they're ungodly. We can't condone sinful practices saying it's going to a good cause. That'll never work. Rebecca should have gone into Isaac prior to all this, or even after Isaac's had that conversation with Esau. She's listened in on that. She should have gone back down and say, Isaac, remember what God told us. The older shall serve the younger. That's what Rebecca should have done. And lastly, God is the hero of this story. Everybody else has fallen over in dysfunctional, rebellious, selfish living. Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, Jacob, they've all lost their own way. They've all lost their way and they've followed their own selfish path here. God stands strong and powerful amongst all this dysfunction, all these people falling over. God stands strong and powerful. This is good news. This is good news. Despite all of our weaknesses and frailty and rejection, God stands strong. He doesn't change. He hasn't changed. And in God's purposes, Jesus is still coming. The blessing to all nations is still on its way. Jesus has descended and has ascended that ladder for us. He has come down to rescue dysfunctional people, to put us back together again to be the people he's called us to be, to ultimately take all of our dysfunctional sin upon himself at the cross so that we can be forgiven. Now you may stand today amongst your rubble of a family thinking, it's lost, it's gone. I've got no hope at all for my dysfunctional family. God specialises in working in dysfunction. God specializes in coming in and forgiving us and rebuilding us through what Christ has done because God is strong and God is mighty. He can be worshipped and praised for who he is. Nothing falls outside of God's plans and we can trust ourselves to him no matter what seems to be imploding or dysfunctioning around about us. God's plans are on track. He's to be trusted and followed. And then we will see our plans fall in with his plans. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you as we come and we hear this story here of Genesis 27 and Genesis 28. Father, we thank you again for the family of Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob. Father, we thank you that it's in your word to reveal to us who you are and who we are. Lord, in a very real respect, we can find ourselves in the family of Isaac and Rebecca. We can find ourselves dysfunctional. 
choosing our own selfish path and following our ways and not your ways, Lord. Father, I pray today, please help us to see that you are a God who can be trusted and that your word must be obeyed. And Lord, today, if we are in these dysfunctional places, God, we know that you've called us to come to yourself to receive that forgiveness and God, to also be rebuilt, transformed into the image of Christ. I pray, Lord, as we read that today, that you are the God who works in dysfunction and repairs and rebuilds and makes it new all over again. Uh, Lord, today I pray for fathers as they think about that. They may think, I'm leading a dysfunctional family. They may think all hope is gone. I pray, Lord, renew their hearts today that hope is found in you as we follow your word. And God, that would equip them to rise up again and to lead their families in a God-honoring way and to see your salvation plans being outworked, not only in Isaac's family, Lord, but also our family as well. Today, Father, I ask and I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you have any questions or comments, we would love to connect with you. Uh, to do that, just go to our uh, info, at, uh, info at Exchange Church email uh, address and uh, drop us a line on the email and we would love to come back to you uh, and uh, connect with you. So please do that. Uh, before we go, we, we may have uh, Enoch come back to us. I've had a memory fade there for a second. <laughs> Enoch come back to us and uh, lead us in a couple of songs to finish up. Thank you. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.